Before I get into the message, I'd like to lead us in a prayer. I, I've been wanting to kind of gradually introduce it to you. We've done it a couple of times. It's a prayer that goes, dates back to the 13th century. And uh, although I think it speaks very freshly to us today. So let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for all the benefits you have won for us for all the pains and insults you have borne for us. Most merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, may we know you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly day by day. Amen. Last summer, uh, the Grace United Methodist Church in South Omaha held Hispanic Vacation Bible School. And they've been doing this for a few years. Uh, but when they hold it, they don't just hold it for five days like we do. They held it for 20 days. Every weekday afternoon in the month of July. And I know a couple of you from Faith Westwood uh, helped frequently at Grace Church's VBS. And because of that, God blessed you with some really rich friendships with some wonderful people. I went to VBS there one day, uh, and it, I had previously met the pastor there, Juan Carlos Veloso. Uh, Juan Carlos is a full-time uh, public school teacher. I think he teaches music, if I remember right. Uh, plus, he's a part-time pastor of two United Methodist churches, and I have so much respect for Juan Carlos. And then this summer at the VBS, I got to meet his wife, Marite, who was serving there as well. Last summer, uh, Juan Carlos also invited me to, a, to an important meeting at his church. And so I went to that and kind of we developed more of a connection at that time. But since that time, you know, it hasn't really gone anywhere. And he hasn't followed up much and neither have I. And, and that's how it is sometimes. Sometimes that opportunity for a, for a new friendship is sort of dangling out there. And it just sort of stays dangling. I don't, sometimes I don't follow through with it. Today, we're talking about how God gives us opportunities for a new kind of friendship. People who may be, have, have big differences from, from ourselves. Uh, and today, if you're not sure, you know, you came today and said, well, I don't even know if I believe in God, or I don't know if I really identify with Jesus, or well, I surely wouldn't call myself a disciple. I just want to say I'm really glad you're here. I'm, we're honored that, that you're here and I, I hope and I believe that you'll find something here that you're going to take away, something that's going to be valuable and beneficial in your life. Now, as a part of my message this morning, and as a, as a real-life demonstration of this, I want to bring up a couple people, Brian Denoso and Travis Schmitz. There they are. Let's... Yeah. Some of you will recognize them a little bit uh, if you've been around here for a while because they are, their alter egos are the children's ministry superheroes and vacation Bible school hosts, Pete and Repeat. Yeah. All right. So, uh, but now, but now they're, Spoiler see, this alert. is much harder. This is much harder, representing yourself. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, anyway... Uh, one of the things that I've noticed and a lot of people have noticed over the last few years is that you two have become great friends. And yep. it's been a really cool thing to see. Um, now, 
how in your friendship have you discovered that you are different from each other? That, that was one of the hardest things for us to discuss ourselves because we work so well together on everything that trying to find a differences between it. We're like, well, I guess there's background differences. Yeah. He was in the military, and I grew up on a farm in northern Nebraska. So, yeah. I mean, and he grew up in the city, so it's completely yeah, I grew different. Up in southern California. Oh, the, yeah. On the streets of L.A., basically. And basically that's not the farm in northern Nebraska <clears throat> Yeah, not Nebraska at, all. <laughs> at all, is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What else? Well, um, you may or may not know, but I'm brown, and he's white. <laughs> there's kind of a difference there. And there's about 10 years age difference. <clears throat> You're 10 years older than I am, so yeah. it's definitely a, a big difference. And he is <laughs> really scared of not public that speaking. Big. What? Really, really scared of public speaking. Oh, I'm Every time we come up I'm, here, he's my just hands scared. are sweaty. I'm absolutely terrified to be sitting here right now. And yeah. it doesn't and bother me at all. Nah, not at all. Yeah. So, how did you become friends? Because I'm sure most people <laughs> here don't know the story. Um, what was it? Our first year here, um, we were working on VBS. It was uh, Kingdom Rock, and I was down here on the struggle bus, just trying to put stuff together and get the set put up and. Yeah, I was here uh, just getting ready to set microphones and everything up for VBS and kind of go through the slides and everything with it, make sure everything was lined up. And I seen them, and it was 3 o'clock, and nothing was getting done in here. And VBS started in a couple hours, and I was like, there's no way he's going to be able to do that all by himself. Yeah. So I came down here, and we finished what we thought was really cool at the time. Yeah. You know, the, at the time. biggest set we ever made, and yeah. it just grew from there, but... Yeah, I mean, so that's, that kind of started, that kick-started everything. I mean, we, he just kicked on some music, and we just did it. We didn't have to talk. We just did it. Well, it I know out. that, you know, since you've been started doing this together, the sets at Vacation Bible School have becoming bigger and grander and more elaborate yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, and uh, so, so how did that happen? Why, why, does, it, why does it keep escalating? Well, we're kind of uh, competitive, yeah. so a little bit. as we compete against ourselves, we compete against each other, so I start one thing and get to this level, then he starts something and tries to beat that, and then I beat myself on that, just, and it just keeps escalating yeah. into the crazy monstrosities of stuff we build. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea is that we just kind of keep bouncing them back and forth until we come up with some idea that we both feel is completely unattainable, and then we go after it. Yeah. yeah. So what else do you share in common? Um, probably attitude, yeah. I think. Our sense of humor. We have a, a pretty sick and twisted, I guess, <laughs> sense of humor. We find humor in things that uh, may, maybe you really shouldn't, uh, but we do. And so here we, yeah. Yeah. And uh, what's, what's one thing you've learned from the other? I, I've learned that you're never too old to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that old. <laughs> um, well, I guess one thing that I've learned from Travis is uh, no matter how busy and crazy and running around he gets, he's always aware of what's going on around him. Um, it could be 100 feet away, and he, he can just sense what's happening. I don't know if it's because of the football team that you're raising or, <laughs> or growing up on a farm, but, I mean, that's... I've learned to kind of be more aware of my surroundings just by, by keep kind of being around him and him noticing things, and yeah. uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? No. That's good. All right. We're good. Hey, thank you, guys. And uh, 
And uh, happy Veterans Day to you, for oh, sure. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thanks a lot. Okay, uh, let's open our Bible, shall we? Grab a Bible, pew Bible there in front of you, or maybe you brought your own, or you got it on your phone. That's great, too. Uh, Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 30. 1041 is the page number in that pew Bible there. Uh, now, what's happening here, an expert in religious law is trying to trap Jesus into saying something self-incriminating, trying to get him in trouble. So after reciting the verse from Leviticus, uh, love your neighbor as yourself, the legal expert puts Jesus to the test by saying, okay, who's my neighbor? You know? Well, Jesus answers with what has become one of the most famous stories in all of the world. Uh, you know, stories were the original movies, right? Except you see them in your head. And this is one of those stories that every time we come back to it, we see some new level of meaning, something extra that, that connects with our lives that we didn't see before. Now, in verse 30, it says, In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And just to pause there for a minute, you literally are going downhill from Jerusalem to Jericho. The 18-mile walk uh, begins in Jerusalem at 2,500 feet above sea level. And by the time you get to Jericho, you are 800 feet below sea level. And it says, when he was attacked by robbers. Well, the road uh, had a lot of switchbacks and curves, and, and so uh, the, it, there were narrow places where uh, it was kind of risky and were places where attackers could hide easily and ambush a traveler. Then it says, they stripped him of his clothes. You know, back then, clothes had a lot of value to a person. You didn't have a closet full of clothes. So robbing some of their clothes is the kind of thing that really happened. And then it says they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. In other words, he was unconscious. Now, what I want to do here today is recast the story as if Jesus might be telling it to us right here, now. And as he tells it, I want you to try to turn on that mental movie in your own mind, okay? And watch it. And maybe you can even empathize with this person who has been beaten and robbed and, and, and even pray for him. Oh, Lord, please send someone to help this poor man before he dies. And as in answer to our prayer, who should come along but a pastor? And he's, he's returning home from annual conference. And surely the pastor will have compassion on this unconscious uh, traveler. And then, to our surprise, we see the pastor kind of steer clear of him going around on the other side of the road. And then, uh, you, you might, I, I wouldn't blame you if you became indignant with the pastor saying what's going on here pastor how can you walk away and just leave that guy laying there like that are you in that much of a hurry are you that are you really that tired do you feel like you're too important to be bothered are you afraid the robbers will come and attack you next or do you simply lack empathy well no sooner has the pastor made his hasty exit when we see someone else enter the scene huh finally it's the worship director. Surely she won't be so busy. 
But like the pastor, the worship director keeps her distance and quickly scurries off. And we cry out, oh God, is there no one who will come to the aid of this poor man? And then we see someone else coming down the road. And right away we notice that he's not like the first two. He stops. He sees the dying man. And he speaks to him. But we notice he's speaking in a different language. It sounds like Spanish. Jesus says, he's Guatemalan. And to our surprise, the, the Guatemalan gets off his donkey and goes to the injured man and checks his pulse. He goes back to his pack on the donkey and takes out a, a, a couple of uh, 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 leather bags and, and, and one of them has a little wine in it and so he pours it on the man's wounds. The, the alcohol kind of was disinfecting and then he's got a little bit of olive oil as well and so he pours some of that on uh, that's going to help uh, keep the flesh soft and, and uh, also inhibit infection. And then uh, also he pulls out of his pack uh, the one extra robe that he brought. And you know what he does with it? He tears it in strips. And he uses them to make bandages and to tie them around the man's wounds. And he knows that if this guy doesn't get a little something to eat and some water in him and a warm place to rest, he's probably not going to make it through the night. So the Guatemalan puts him on his donkey and by sunset... They, they, they arrive into Jericho and check in at a bed and breakfast. Now let's go to verse 35. Are you with me? It says, The next day he, that is the good Guatemalan, took out two denarii, let's say $200, okay, and gave them to the innkeeper, look after him. It was kind of like he laid the cash on the counter, okay? He said, look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. In other words, put it on my credit card. And then in verse 36, Jesus asked the question, which of these three was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? And, of course, we know the answer, don't we? The one who helped him. Now, the, the Guatemalan and the injured man have very different backgrounds. They don't speak the same language. They have different religious beliefs. They, they come from different cultures. But the Guatemalan man befriended him. He loved his neighbor as himself. And the story also shows that Jesus knows his Bible. When Jesus, uh, when they were quoting Leviticus 19, uh, we not only find the commandment there, love your neighbor as yourself, we all, it also has the bigger picture. In the same chapter it says, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat him. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Did you know that was in the Bible? The foreigner who, who resides among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself. For you were foreigners in Egypt. So here's the big idea. When God gives you an opportunity to befriend someone whose life is very different from yours, take it. They're your neighbor 
And Jesus says to love them. For example, I want to give a big shout out to uh, all our teammate mentors at Faith Westwood. I think there's probably 15 or 20 of you. And uh, I'm guessing that uh, uh, some of you may not be familiar with it. Uh, teammates matches an adult uh, mentor with a student and then they meet once a week for lunch or uh, over a period, class period, um, just to be together, be a friend. Uh, the, the biggest difference between my teammate and myself is that I'm old. <laughs> I, I, could, I could be his grandfather. And so you think, well, what, what is this, you know, 14-year-old, 15-year-old have in common with, with me? But you know, it's interesting. We, we find that we, we do have things we enjoy together and, and things we can talk about. My goal is, is simply to be a positive, affirming adult friend in his life. It's really a simple thing. When God gives you an opportunity to befriend someone whose life is very different from yours, take it. They are your neighbor. And Jesus says to love them. Um, a few of you remember Carol Windrum. Anybody remember that name? Yeah, a few of you. She was the associate pastor here way long ago, 1979 to 1983. And I know Carol. Uh, anyway, she sent me an email back in May and told me some history that I didn't know. While she was serving here, a member of this church shot and killed his girlfriend. Did you know that? Um, his name is Ted Parsons. Now, Ted's been in the state pen for about 35 years now. And over those years, Carol has continued on occasion to go and visit him. You know, I think that's, I think Jesus must love that. Didn't, didn't he say that when you go and you, you, when you're my disciple and you go and visit someone in prison, it's like going to see me? Well, in her email, Carol said that May 25th, uh, six months ago, uh, would be Ted's 75th birthday. And she asked if there would be people here at Faith Westwood who would like to send him a birthday card. So I passed the request on to uh, Ted's, um, I passed the request and Ted's mailing address on to Lois Nelson, a member of our church, and she forwarded it on to others in our church that she probably knew would, would remember Ted. And uh, Carol later let me know when I saw her how much Ted appreciated getting all those birthday cards from people here at Faith Westwood. You know, even a murderer, a convicted murderer who spent half his adult life incarcerated loves getting a birthday card. When God gives you an opportunity to befriend someone whose life is very different from yours, take it. They are your neighbor. And Jesus says to love them. Last year when we were doing the rent, uh, excuse me, Last year, Central Middle School next door, they were doing some renovations on their building, and they didn't have room for their adult uh, English second language classes. And they said, Faith Westwood, you know, you've always been so good to us. Will you, will you house those classes for us? And we said, sure. And so that got started, and actually we're still, we're still doing that. Every Tuesday and Wednesday evening, uh, we, have, we have rooms in our, our classrooms that are be used by filled with uh, Muslim women, refugees from Afghanistan and Syria, 
wearing the hijab, the, the scarf that covers their, their hair and neck. And, uh, you know, last spring, as they were finishing up their, their first year, um, I visited with the, the teacher, and I asked if she would give me permission to just speak just for a minute to the class. And I told her what I had in mind. She said that was fine. And so I did. So I was standing in front of these, these women, and uh, I said, you know, you have all been through so much. You've come from so far away. I can't imagine all the things that you've seen and been through in your life. I said, I would love to have the opportunity to meet your husband and visit with the both of you and just learn your story. And I, and I gave each one of them a card that had my contact information if they wanted to follow up. And, and so far, none of them have. <laughs> uh, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm a little intimidating probably at this point. And, and that's a scary thing to try. But, but anyway, last Tuesday, after our service of healing and hope, uh, a woman from our church was out in the hallway and got to visiting with a few of the, of the women uh, from, the, from the ESL class uh, about our pantry. And so uh, the, the woman from our church came and got me, and then I brought some cards that had information about our pantry and when it's open. And, uh, and, and that's happened before. We've, we've invited them to our pantry. But I just think, you know, every little step makes a difference. Every little gesture is a step forward. When God gives you an opportunity to befriend someone who's, whose life, whose background is very different from yours, you've got to take it. They're your neighbor. Jesus says, you've got to love them. I believe that God, from time to time, gives us those opportunities. To befriend someone who's, you know, their life has been very different from ours, at least in some ways. And maybe depending on what the level of those differences are, your, your conversation with them isn't going to click right away. And that's okay. It can be a little awkward at first. But we, but we can deal with that. That's all right. How many friends do you have who are born in, another, in a nation differently than the one you were born in? How many friends do you have who have a criminal record? How many friends do you have uh, who uh, are in a same-sex marriage? How many friends do you have who are illegal immigrants? Now, you may or may not agree with, with things they've done, but Jesus says, love them. That's the bottom line for us, right? You've got to love them. They're your neighbors. I've been fascinated as I've been watching the news this fall about the caravan of now 10,000 migrants who are moving north in Central America, uh, starting in Honduras and then Guatemala and El Salvador. Uh, many, the majority of them are in Mexico City right now, uh, about four weeks' march away from the U.S. border. And one of them is a 47-year-old man named Emilka. He's traveling with his 14-year-old son, Jorge. I learned about Emilka and Jorge on a, the uh, news feed on my phone, and this was an article online from Fox News. They arrived last week in Mexico City. 
they had an opportunity to visit with an attorney, and now they're trying to decide whether to continue on with their journey or not. But the one thing they know is they don't want to go back to Guatemala. They don't want to go back to the place they were before. And Jorge, who probably has a little more English skill, was, was talking uh, about the gang in their hometown that threatened them at gunpoint, forcing them to keep paying morning, money. It's extortion. And so they decided they, they had to get out. They had to escape. Now, I know the politics of this is messy, and I don't have the answers, and our government has decisions to make, and I respect that. But regardless of who they allow in and who they don't allow in, the one thing I keep coming back to is, is I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I, I'm, I'm his person, and he keeps saying that they're my neighbors. In some way, they're my neighbors. They're on a dangerous journey like the one from Jericho to Jerusalem, and my heart goes out to Amilka and Jorge and others like them, and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's, what the future is going to be with all this. I wouldn't be surprised if someday there's a refugee camp or different ones at, at, at points just south of the U.S. border. And then what are we going to do? I keep waiting to think, okay, what's the United Methodist Committee on Relief going to do and what, what ways are they going to invite us to be a part of this? I don't know. The illegal immigrants in O'Neill, uh, Nebraska, have been told to stay put until their court date. Did you know that? They've been told to stay put until their court date, and while, but while they're waiting, they're not allowed to work. Well, that's the crisis that we have in O'Neill right now. Uh, and that's why some of you have been contributing to provide food for them. And every week, there, we've got a van load that goes from Faith Westwood up to the United Methodist Church in O'Neill for their pantry. Well, this fall, uh, a few of the immigrants in O'Neill have had their court date and have been granted permission to stay and receive a green card. So now they can work. And it might be, though, many more months before most of them have their court date. It takes a while for this whole process to work out. And so until then, I imagine that these weekly van loads will continue. You know, I see our involvement with this as sort of like an extended friendship. We're a friend of a friend, you know. Uh, God has given Faith Westwood the opportunity to, be, uh, to befriend the United Methodist Church in O'Neill while they befriend their neighbors. So, let's say our big idea together, shall we? When God gives you an opportunity to befriend someone whose life is very different from yours, take it. They're your neighbor, and Jesus says to love them. Now, I know that not every friend is going to be, you know, come from a different culture or have a way different background, most of our friends are probably going to be a lot like us, right? They're, they're like us socially. They're like us educationally and economically and culturally. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with having friends like that. But God keeps opening new doors. God keeps giving us new opportunities. And what if, what if each one of us 
began befriending someone whose life is very different from ours, what would happen? One thing that I think would happen is that God would work through our friendships and in time, eventually, one day, Faith Westwood would be the most kingdom of God-looking church in Millard. You believe that? Could happen. Last week, I was, I was thinking of a couple of friends. Uh, they live here in the Omaha area. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, there's significant differences between us. I mean, there's a lot we have in common, but, you know, their backgrounds are way different than mine. And I don't really know either of them that well. I haven't spent a ton of time with either one of them. And that's partly because I just really haven't followed through, haven't really followed up. And yet, the opportunity is still there. It's like it's dangling in front of me. Will I take it or let it go? Well, yesterday, I got out my thumbs and I sent each of them a text message. You know, hoping to reconnect. Maybe sometime before the end of the year, we could, I could get together with, with each one of them and see, see what happens. So, Maybe for you, there's an opportunity that's dangling out in front of you. You can either take it or let it go. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, um, we know that... We just confess before you, we, we sometimes just let it be easy. We want fr all our friendships to be easy and effortless and automatic. And sometimes that means we only have friends with people who are just like us. So, Lord, if you're opening a door in our lives or if there's, there's an opportunity already dangling out there, Lord, help us to see it. Help us to take hold of that opportunity. Lord, you have so much to teach us through a friend whose life has been different than ours. Lord, we need it, so please keep that door open. Keep that opportunity there dangling so we can, we can move toward it, move into it. And Lord, we pray that you'll, you'll use these friendships to bless us and to bless them and... Uh, Somehow it'll contribute to the glory of your kingdom. That when people look at this church, they'll say, wow, they, there's room for everybody there. Jesus, we love you. We pray in your name. Amen.